0: Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. We are in week number two, say week number two, of our series that we're calling It's Time. It's, it's time. The heart of this series of conversations that we're going to be having all month long has to do with the fact that uh, a lot of us have been kind of in a holding pattern. 2020 robbed a lot of us of some things. 2021 did the same. And some of us, we find ourselves still feeling the ripple effects from two years ago. And God placed it on my heart that, yo, we need to wake everybody up. Because what he is declaring over us is that it's time. Yes, we, we experienced some pain. A lot of us lost some people that were very important and close to us. Some of us lost jobs, some of our businesses closed, some of our marriages ended, some of our mental health took a dip. <laughs> But despite all that, God wants you to know that he's still God. Because one of the things that took place during this time was that people started to lean to their own understanding. People started to turn to themselves for answers. People started to focus on how they can become the best them when they didn't recognize that in order to become the best them, they needed to come closer to the one that created them. And unfortunately, a lot of people went the opposite direction. And so all month long, we're going to be challenging ourselves to recognize that it's time. So last week, we started this conversation with a message called It's Go Time. Because a lot of us needed that push to say, yo, I've been sitting on the sidelines a little too long. I've been a little too comfortable. I've been really enjoying going to seven digital churches every Sunday. Ain't got to serve, ain't got to volunteer. I ain't even got to get dressed. (laughs) I can just be comfortable. But the truth is, God has never used anybody to do anything great inside their comfort zone. He has always made people uncomfortable first because it's when we're stepping into uncomfortability that we know that we have to depend on him. We must come closer to him because of our uncomfortability. And so as an anchor verse that we're using all month long, there was some urgency in Jesus' teaching when he was on the earth in Matthew 3 and 2. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's that same urgency that he's speaking to us now. He's saying it's time because the message is still the same. Repent, which means to turn away from what you've been doing and turn back towards me because the kingdom of heaven is near. It's not far away, it's near, it's close. And because of that fact, there has to be a little more pep in your step. (laughs) There has to be a little more urgency in your heart for the things of God, for his kingdom agenda. I don't mind your goals. I don't mind your aspirations or your dreams. Unless they're in the way Of God's kingdom agenda. Because his kingdom agenda includes you. Thank you all three of you all who agree with me. God's kingdom agenda includes you. So the question is, what are you doing to advance it? What are you doing to move it forward, even if it's just a little bit? Or have you found yourself in in a bit of a funk? Has life been lifing and got you a little distracted? Got you in some conversations with your enemy that has you thinking that you don't really have a part to play. Who am I? And all he wants to do is to keep you away from being who God created you to be. That's his goal. If he can't kill you, He'll distract you. And his plan still moves forward, even in your distraction. And God wants you to know it's time to get undistracted. And so we're going to move the conversation forward this week, and it's going to be challenging. Can I just let you know that up front? But sometimes challenges are a good thing. Because if God isn't challenging you, then then that means that he no longer has use for you. But because you're here, whether you're physically in the building or or you're watching online or you're listening to the podcast, these words were tailor-made for you, even though it's going to be challenging. Amen? So we're going to start this conversation looking at Habakkuk, the third chapter, starting at the 17th verse. I'll be reading from the NLT translation, Habakkuk 3 and 17. It reads, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though The flocks die. I mean, this is a miserable situation. Even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. I mean, this is miserable. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Well, that doesn't make sense. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Verse 18, one more time. Verse 18, one more time. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. I'm going to be talking today from the topic of it's time to choose Joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, can you please have your way today? We stand in awe of you. We know that we are imperfect, but we also know that you are. So, can your perfect will be done in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's time to choose joy. I know that's difficult to swallow for some of you. Because life be life. And everything don't be going according to scheduled plans that you had for yourself. I can identify with this. A couple of weeks ago, I had a challenging situation. If you've been here a while, you know that my wife and I are entrepreneurs outside of church and we have this financial education company in. One of the things that we do is we have this show and we interview people, and we've been blessed to interview some pretty cool people. We've been able to talk to Dave Ramsey and Bishop T.D. Jakes and and Dr. Bill Winston, just on and on and on and on. But y'all, I was so excited a couple of weeks ago. I secured like one of the biggest interviews of my career. Like I've been doing, we've been doing this for eight years. And I got the interview of all interviews scheduled. The problem was, the day of that interview, I was supposed to be in Memphis. Uh, I'm, like, I'm like, I can't miss this interview. Guys, this was, this was E.T., the hip-hop preacher. This was Dr. Eric Thomas, the number one motivational speaker in the world. I was going to interview him. But I had to be in Memphis because this was the only day that he could do it. He's so busy. I had one shot. So I said, okay, we usually record these shows in a studio that we had built. But I wasn't going to be in the studio because I wasn't going to be here. So this is what I did. You know, I I took a lot of preparation. I put a lot of preparation into this. Y'all Y'all listening to me? I said, I'm not going to blow this. So we went to the store, got some extra equipment, threw the equipment in the suitcase, made sure that I got an early, early flight so that I could be at the hotel in time for the interview. I could set everything up, the camera and the microphone, make it look like I'm in the studio, even though I'm in the hotel room. I had it all figured out. I get up early, huh? No sun, I mean dark outside early. Because I'm not going to mess this opportunity up. I get in the car, I head on down to the airport. I get to the airport in time to find out that my flight is delayed. I'm like, okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Because I I got this flight early enough to leave a gap between when I would land which was gonna be like 9.15, and the interview was scheduled for 11. It was only a 20-minute ride from the airport to the hotel. Everything's all good. The math still works. So I'm sitting there, chilling, it's early, get a little Starbucks, make sure I'm good. Ding dong, delay number two. I'm like, y'all better stop. Playing with me. (laughs) It's okay, it's okay. I still got time. It's still going to work out. I still put enough margin in between. So even with delay number two, I'm all right. And then my phone goes off. Sir, delay number three. So now I'm nervous. Can I just be honest? I mean, I know I'm a preacher. But I was nervous. Like, Jesus, Jesus. I have an interview to do. The interview of all interviews. So even with delay number three, my, my margin is, is super tight now. But there's still hope. I'm still able to do it. It's just that everything else has got to go perfect. Did y'all think everything else went perfect? It didn't. There's more. So I get to Memphis. I land. Boom. Now, I didn't want to mess this up. Do y'all got that part of the story yet? So I said, I ain't waiting for no Uber, because I don't know what the Uber schedule looked like. So we bought a car. We got a rental car. I'm like, I'm gonna get off the plane, going over to the rental, get the keys, boom, 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 head on over to the hotel. I get to the rental place delayed. We can't have your car for 30 minutes, but y'all took my money though. What do you mean? You can't have my car for another 30 minutes. So now I'm, 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 get, I'm, I'm you know, kind of on the edge. I'm still a pastor, but I was on edge. Kept a good attitude, but I was on edge. And so I finally get in the car. I say, okay, well, I gotta, listen, we just gotta make this do what it do. So I start driving and I called the hotel. I say, hey, hotel person, I am on my way, I know it's super early, but can I check in early? Because I have an important meeting that I have to do. No sir, you cannot. We don't have any rooms clean yet for you to check in. Matter of fact, we won't have any until two o'clock. I'm like, okay, thank you for your time. And I hang up. So, plan B, I came up, plan B, on the spot, here we go. I called the local library. I said, hey, I got a big meeting, I'm from out of town, can I use one of your study rooms? It's an important meeting. Sure. Come on over. We got one more left. All right. I bust a UE, GPS, library. Here we go. I get to the library. Sorry, sir. The last one was taken. It's first come, first serve. Okay. So then, so then they said, but hey, I have this preschool story time room. Would you like that? I said, oh, okay, I'll take what you got. All the chairs was this high. I'm 6'3", so I'm like, you know, setting everything up. Got it, camera, microphone, boom, 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 log on. I jump on there on on the library Wi-Fi and the library's Wi-Fi goes down. I got two minutes, literally. So I said, okay, okay. I pull out my cell phone, I say, okay, I'm gonna use my cell, my cell phone's hotspot. Do 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 do, boom. All right, logged in. The entire library goes black. The library loses power. I'm talking about the whole library goes black. And then I get a knock on the door. Excuse me, sir, we have to evacuate the building. I'm not making this up. I was a little upset. I was a little angry. I was a little less than happy. Because I just missed the interview of all interviews. Time expired. My wife, y'all other pastor, had to call and pray for me. I'm talking about, I was not happy. And listen, I'm in Memphis for a pastor conference, about to be around a bunch of pastors. And I'm supposed to, you know, look the part, like, hey! Hey, pastor! Hey, pastor! Hey, pastor! But I wasn't feeling the best. And so my wife called and she prayed for me. And she reminded me that God is still in control. It's going to be all right. And she even said, you know what the best part is? I said, how can there be a best part? This is all bad. Did you not hear what happened to me this morning? She said, the best part is going to make for a great sermon illustration one day. So seven days later, after some back and forth, I was able to get on with E.T. And you know what he told me? He said, it's it's better that we did it today. My energy wasn't even, I wasn't even having a good day that day. He was like, so the interview's going to be better because we did it today. The point of the story is even though something feels tough now, God is still in control. Even though the situation, you might be right there in the midst of your disappointment, in the midst of your anger, in the midst of your concern. But the thing about joy is it's not circumstantial. Joy has nothing to do with what's going on. Nehemiah 8 and 10 says this, don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know what's crazy about this verse? He was talking to a group of people like you who were literally in tears. I ain't talking about tears of joy. It was tears of conviction and sadness because Ezra, the the priest at that time, had just opened up the book of, uh, or excuse me, the law of Moses and read it to them and they were thoroughly convicted by what what they heard and that the whole multitude was in tears. And this is his response. He says, don't be dejected or sad. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. You find strength in the Lord's joy. Can I let you know something else? Joy comes from God. Your Bible in Galatians 5 lists what's known as the fruit of the spirit. The first one they list is love. You know what the second one is? Joy. The fruit of the spirit means that it should be the characteristic of every believer who possesses the spirit of God. So you need to know that joy is not optional for the believer. Now, if you don't call yourself a believer or a follower of Jesus Christ, then you don't have to worry about this. But if you name the name that's above every name as your Lord and Master, living a joyless life is not an option. It's something that you must grab a hold of. Ironically, the Lord had me crafting a message on joy in the midst of a week where I wasn't really feeling the topic of joy. I'm talking about Monday all the way to last night. It was just, it was like the devil turned into DJ Khaled. He was like, another one. Every day of this week, I ended the day looking like this. I'm not exaggerating. I'll just be looking up to heaven like, for real? And he keeps giving me these pieces of a message about joy. Even though my week is not full of joy. So I thought. But here's what he instilled in me. He said, Joy consists of internal stability despite our external circumstances. So joy has nothing to do with what's going on out there, and it has everything to do with what's going on in here. Joy and happiness are not the same thing, they're not synonymous because happy comes from things happening. It is circumstantial. But joy, which comes from the spirit of the living God, is about where your confidence lies. Where is your confidence when things are externally not going your way? Where is your trust When things are externally not going your way, where's your fear? When externally things are not going your way. That determines your level of joy. Why do you need to get a hold of this? Because in order for God to do what he wants to do in you, you need to be whole. You need to operate in all the things that God has for you to operate in. He doesn't want you to be halfway healed. He doesn't want you to be kind of about his work. He doesn't want your energy low because you have so much external weight that you're trying to run a race it. He doesn't want you slowed down when life starts in. because he told us that life is going to be life in. He told us that tests and trials and tribulations were a part of this life that we were going to live. But he also said that you are supposed to cast off that weight and not attempt to run with it. So you have to get this message in your heart because God wants you to be whole. Matter of fact, in that interview that I did with Dr. Eric Thomas, one of the things that he said was that you are most powerful when you are the most you. That's where your power is. In your wholeness. Some of us get by on skills. Some of us get by on intellect. Some of us get by on charisma, but none of that makes you whole. You can cover up your flaws with some of that stuff to man. But when God looks at you, he's looking to see are you pursuing all that he has for you? He's not asking you to pursue perfection because you'll never achieve it. But are you pursuing wholeness? Because that can be yours. That's why he told you what the fruits of the spirit are, what he told you the characteristics of a believer should be, so that you can pursue these things. If you're honest with yourself, some of us are void of joy. Some of us, our joy meter is on E. We have let the things of life drain us, take our focus off where it needs to be, for joy to come, because joy can come, no matter what's going on in your life. So then the question becomes, how does joy come? Well, number one, joy comes by knowing God has a plan for my life. When I was upset about my little situation, my wife had to remind me that God is still in control. I know this feels out of control. It feels like you lost control, but God is still in control. If you've done everything that you could do in a particular situation, then you've done your part. So even when things feel out of control, you have to remind yourself about who never lost control. You may have lost control. But God has never relinquished control. It's difficult when you're in the midst of things going awry to remind yourself, wow, I still serve an undefeated God. But God is telling you that you must. You must never lose sight of who he is. We have to stop putting so much attention on who they are that we forget we lose sight of who he is. God is as we just got through singing about all powerful. Psalm 16 says, "Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. Your excuse me, you guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. We can never lose sight of that. He said always. That word always means always. Now, oh, y'all thought I was going to go deep. Always. Good times, bad times, I times, always. He's with you. But the devil wants you to forget that. He wants you to think that you are alone. Nobody gets it. Nobody's been through this. Nobody feels my pain. It's not biblical. I know. That means that David decided that this was a knowledge that he was going to maintain and never lose sight. I know. Nobody has to tell me. I know. You got to get to the point where you know. You got to get to the point to where you can't be talked out of it. You know that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. This comes from a relationship. The reason some of us don't know this is because we don't know him. We don't know him as father. We just know him as the man in the sky, the man upstairs. And that's why it's so easy for you to forget that he's right by your side. David says, no wonder my heart is glad. No wonder. Because I know that he's with me. He's not just with me, but he's right here next to me. Even in my persecution, even though I'm running for my life, even though my spiritual father is trying to kill me, the Lord is right here by my side, no wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body, even though I'm currently under physical attack, rests in safety. How can David say that with all that he's up against? Joy. He realizes that the joy of the Lord is his strength. David is writing this in the midst of terrible persecution. He ain't writing this from the throne. He ain't writing this for somebody feeding grapes in his mouth. Bruh is running for his life from somebody who he served. And he's letting you and I know that despite all of this, I know something that keeps me together. And it's the fact that I know that the Lord is with me always. Say always. Remind yourself, say always. He's right here beside me. No wonder my heart is glad. No wonder. It's not hard to figure out why. It's because I maintain the knowledge of knowing that God is with me. Stop letting the devil talk you out of it. Even with everything that you lost, even with every heartbreak that you faced, he is right beside you. He has not left you. You may have even turned your back on him. And he's still waiting on you to just turn around. And guess what you'll find? Him. Right there the whole time. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your holy one to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living forevermore. You have to realize that your joy is based on your relationship with God. Your joy is not based on your relationship with him, her, or them. Stop letting your joy evaporate because of them, her, and him. Your joy is connected to your father. Stay focused on him. It's easier said than done, but it can be done. David is a great example of it being done. Pastor Sam Storn says this joy is not necessarily the absence of suffering, it's the presence of God. Joy is the presence of God. The Bible does not tell you there will not be suffering, neither does your pastor. But what we are trying to get you to understand is even in that tough situation, you can insert God and find joy. Joy comes number two. When I become certain that God will work it out. Certain. Meaning that I know this for a fact. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it, but I know he's going to do it. I know that this will turn around. Why? Because the Bible says over and over and over and over again, example after example of God doing just that because God is faithful. God is faithful, meaning that he is going to do every single thing that he said that he was going to do. So when he tells you that everything that he started in you, he will complete, you can take that to the bank. Even if it doesn't feel like it right now. Even if it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Even if you think my time has passed. Even if you think I missed my moment. The Bible wants you to know that that's not the case. You can find joy when you find, when you place your confidence in the fact that you know without a shadow of a doubt in your mind that God will work this out. You need to know that. You need to not lose sight of that. Some of you all are praying for people and you about ready to give up because you've been praying so long and you haven't been seeing anything. You've been praying for spouses, kids, loved ones, cousins, aunties, mamas, daddies, coworkers, crazy coworkers, and you're not seeing no change. But you got to know that God will, will work it out. And when you move your heart to the place of knowing that he will work it out, even before the resolution comes, you can walk in joy while you wait because your confidence isn't in yourself. That's your problem. Your confidence isn't. You think your prayers aren't working. You think you're doing something wrong. You think you're not doing enough. You're focused on the wrong person. Put your confidence in him. Take it off of you. Trust that he will do what he said he will do. First Peter 1 and 8 says, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. This is Peter trying to encourage us that even though we don't see him, We can trust him. And even though we don't see our answer, we can trust that he has the answer. We can trust that he is the answer. And when we put our trust in him, we experience inexpressible joy. How can it be inexpressible? Let me ask you something. If you just got the raise and you put it on Facebook, and you said, look at what the Lord has done. That would make sense, wouldn't it? I mean, people would get why you're happy. That's not an inexpressible joy, is it? That makes complete sense. You're happy because you got the answer to your prayer. But what happens when we pray for something, there's no manifestation, and we still tell people, that I have joy even in my pain, I have joy even in my sorrow, I have joy even in my grief, I have joy without the answer manifesting yet, that's inexpressible, that makes no sense to people. And that's what Peter is encouraging us to do. He's saying, even though you don't see it, even though the answer hasn't come, Even though promotion isn't yet there. Business didn't take off. You ain't found your Boaz. Whatever it is. But if you can walk, post, promote, text some joy, some encouragement, people start to wonder where did that come from? Why, Why are you so overjoyed? And not only do they start to ask that, they start to ask how can I get that too, you start to be an example that people want to follow, because it's easy to follow somebody where it appears that everything's going right. Everybody want to sign up for that. Whatever's on the head is on the house. But can you sign up for somebody who's walking with joy in the midst of sorrow? See, that's a different type of grace. That's a different type of intimacy. That's a deeper relationship with God when the pain is real, but your relationship with God is realer. And because your relationship with God is realer, the real pain doesn't hurt as much. It's present, it's real, it's there. But you put your focus and your gaze on what's realer than that real pain. And you know what happens? inexpressible joy, the type of joy that makes no sense. You're like, dang, why do I, why am I okay? It's so crazy, you start wondering, like, how did, man, I feel all right. I don't know about you, but I want inexpressible joy to be in my life. That I can rejoice and I can praise and I can sing and I can lift my hands despite what's going on around me. Because that's just happiness. What I want is joy. What you should want is joy. That no matter what is going on, no matter what's circling around me, my focus is on the one who created me. And because I know the one who created me will work it out, what's circling around me doesn't negatively affect me. It's there. I see it. I don't like it. But my focus is on him. And as I continue to focus on him, I I find instruction. I find comfort. I find strategy. I find wisdom on how to deal with all those things that are around me. I don't know about you, but when life starts life and the first thing you need is some wisdom. (laughs) Ask me how I know. I'll tell y'all later. (laughs) Author Rebecca Lyon says it like this, joy is not the absence of darkness. Joy is confidence that the darkness will lift. It won't be there forever. It may be there now. But at some point, because I'm so certain in the God that I have given my life to. I'm not certain in myself and my ability and my charisma and my knowledge. But man, I am absolutely confident in the God that created me. And because I'm confident in him, I know that this darkness that I'm seeing is only temporary. Number three, joy comes when I choose joy. It's a choice. Joy is not a feeling. Joy is a choice. You have to make the decision. Paul says in Philippians 4 and 4, rejoice in the Lord. Here's that word again, always. (laughs) I will say it again. Rejoice. That means do it again. Rejoice. You've done it before, but now the call is for you to do it again, for you to make another decision, another declaration. I will rejoice. It doesn't just happen to you. Do you hear me, church? Joy is not just going to show up. You gotta say, I choose joy. And God in heaven is watching, and so are the people in your life. They're watching to see it's it. How she gonna handle this? How he gonna deal with this? They want to see what type of decision you're gonna make, because that's gonna ultimately help them make a decision for him. Remember, I've been I've been trying to been trying to tell you this ain't just about you. These tests, these trials, these tribulations, this pressure that you feel is to make you stronger and to make you a witness of the goodness of Jesus. So how are you gonna handle this pressure that you're currently facing? Are you gonna choose joy Or are you going to choose to focus on the situation? Good answer. The correct answer, saints, is I am going to choose joy. Deuteronomy 30 is a great admonition about choosing joy. I'm going to read it in the message version. This commandment that I'm commanding you today isn't too much for you. It's not out of your reach. You need to know that. This is not out of your reach, but you do have to reach for it. It's not a high mountain. You don't have to get mountaineers to climb the peak and bring it down to your level and explain it before you can live it. And it's not across the ocean. You don't have to send sailors out to get it, bring it back and then explain it before you can live it. No, the word is right here and now as near as the tongue in your mouth, as near as the heart in your chest, just do it. Look at what I've done for you today. I've placed in front of you life and good, death and evil, and I command you today, love God, your God. Walk in his ways, keep his commandments, regulations and rules so that you will live, really live, live exuberantly, blessed by God, your God, in the land you are about to enter and possess. But I warn you, if you have a change of heart, refuse to listen obediently and willfully, go off to serve and worship other gods, you will most certainly die. You won't last long in the land that you are crossing, the Jordan, to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I place before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your children will live because it's not just about you. When you exemplify the choice of joy, your children have to watch, your children have to take note, your legacy is on the line. Because when you, con- when you continuously choose drama, when you continually choose dysfunction, they pick that up too. But you have the option to say, despite all of this whirlwind, of foolishness. What I am gonna decide to do in this moment is to take my eyes off of the foolishness and put my eyes on my creator and I'm going to choose to have joy right now. How do you choose joy? The first thing you have to do is choose to look beyond what happened. Yes, it did happen. There's no undoing that. You can't turn back the clock and make it not happen. It happened. But you can choose to look beyond it. There has to be something on the other side because God told me that what he began in me, he will complete in me. So this can't be it. Philippians 1 and 2, we're going to just walk through Philippians 1 and find how to continuously make the choice for joy. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. This whole chapter is about joy. This whole chapter was written by Paul. This whole chapter is about joy written by Paul while he was in prison. Chained up. And he wants you to know about joy while he's in chains. Why is he in chains? For telling people about Jesus. And he's saying, yo, I know this looks really bad. But this is actually a part of God having his will done through me. Now this brother's in jail. You just got a couple pass through bills. What's your excuse? This man is locked up, shackled on his feet, hand shackled. Most of his books he had to orate to a scribe to write down for him. And his message is, Joy? He's saying, yo, I know. Y'all heard that I got locked up again. I know. Y'all heard, I got beaten again. But what you need to know is that that isn't the totality of the story. That stuff did happen. It is true. But if you look beyond what happened, you'll see that God's kingdom is being advanced. Your pain could be somebody else's progress. Because that pain you experienced, you learned a lesson from. And now you have the ability to warn and help somebody else progress faster as a result of you enduring the pain of what happened. But you're only able to do that if you look past what happened to find out that there's more. The second thing, how do I continuously choose joy is I have to choose to find new opportunities. This is still Paul talking about the same situation. As a result, verse 13, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So him being locked up him choosing joy in the midst of an adverse situation caused people all around him to go deeper in their faith. Is anybody going deeper in their faith as a result of seeing you live your life? <sighs> Has anybody looked at the way that you move through tough times and found inspiration? Or do they just see you cursing people out like they do? You're not going to encourage nobody to come to the cross when you're acting just like they do. You have to look beyond your situation and you have to try to find in the midst of this mess, what is the Lord trying to do? Because he's trying to do something. But if you're not looking for it because you're so focused on the actual situation, instead of being focused on Him, you miss the opportunity to impact someone else. And you may be saying, I ain't worried about nobody else right now. I'm worried about me and mine. That's not the gospel. God saved you to become a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable pleasing unto him you were saved so that you can be an example a business card, a resume for the kingdom your life is what people will look to to find him when was the last time you invited somebody to church thank you for your silence Why, 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 why are we okay with people around us going to hell? You don't have no concern? No, wait, everybody you know is saved? I doubt it. And if it is, you need to go get some unsaved friends. Because you are a living witness. God wants you to show them your clean hands because they remember when your hands were dirty. He wants you to look for the new opportunities, not just look at the pain. And when you look for those opportunities and you find those people that you can help, you know what happens? Joy. Joy in the midst of trouble. The last one. It comes when I choose to focus on what really matters. He wants you to look higher. Raise your perspective. Elevate your focus. You're so busy looking down at the trouble that you're missing him, the Waymaker. Yeah, you're praying, Lord, help but you're not looking to him for the help. You're still looking at the trouble. You're still looking at the pain. You're still focused on the situation. The whole time he's like, I got something for you. This is still Paul, verse 15. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. And he says, despite all that, but what does it matter? Yeah, they out here trying to throw salt on my name. They out here trying to say that I'm not who I say that they try to take my spot. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. So even though I'm locked up, even though I'm only locked up because I was just trying to do what the Lord told me to do. How many of you all are feeling pain because you tried to do what the Lord told you to do? It looks a little different than you thought it would. He's saying despite what they're trying to do to my name, despite what they're trying to do with my reputation, yo, there's some people out there still preaching the good news of Jesus. Is Christ still being preached? He's saying that's all I care about. Give me my reputation. Bro, I'm going to be out of here in a minute. I just need to know, is Christ being preached? That's all that matters. Is the gospel still going forth? That's all that matters. Are people still coming to know Jesus? That's all I care about. And because it's all that I care about and because I know that despite me being locked up, despite my situation not being perfect, in my imperfect situation, I still see Christ being preached. I still see people coming to know Jesus. And you know what? Because of that, I rejoice. I'm still locked up. I'm still not all the way sure if I'm getting out of here But right now I rejoice in knowing that people are coming to know Jesus. Do you care whether or not you, I'm talking to you, do you care whether or not people come to know Jesus? Do you care? Does it matter to you in any way, shape, or form at all? Because it should. It's not reserved for preachers. He told all of us to go into the world and make disciples. Do you care? Do you care? Does the kingdom of God matter to you or is it just about your kingdom? Is it just about your goal list? Is it just about your career aspirations? Is all this about you. Because when you make it about you, you leave yourself susceptible for sorrow and pain. Because you're only focused on you. And what Paul is trying to get us to see is that joy requires a gaze on the thing that really matters. And what really matters It's God's kingdom going forward. You have a part to play in that. I'm going to keep telling you that until you believe it. God has a requirement for you. He didn't jump up off his throne, come down here and die and get up. Just so you can have a good business. He didn't do all that just so you can get a new car. all those things are fine, well. But we have to keep the main thing, the main thing. He did all that so that his kingdom could be advanced through you. Do you care? You have to make a decision. One way or the other. An indecision is also a decision. You have to decide that despite everything, today, I choose joy. I still have some pain. I still have some questions. But despite the pain and the questions that are still looming, today, I choose joy. Why wouldn't you? It's part of your inheritance as a believer. Your relationship might be on the rocks. Business may be on the brinks of closing. Might be facing some layoffs at work. Finances may not be ideal. But he wants you to choose joy because joy has to do with your internal stability despite your external circumstances. He wants to know do you trust him now? Because it's, it's easy to trust him when all those things are in perfect condition. But joy is synonymous with your faith. He you said, Man, I know, I know this. This ain't how I drew it up. Like in my mind, I would be doing X, Y, and Z by now. In my mind, I would have accomplished this, that, and the other by now. But even though that's not the case, do you you still trust that he's gonna do what he said he's gonna do in you, for you, through you? Do you still? trust Him, even though right now you're not sure how that can happen. That's where your joy comes from. Your joy comes from looking to the hills from which cometh your help. My help comes from the Lord. Not only my help, but my joy as well. Can we stand? Joy is not a feeling, it's an experience. And you get to decide if you're gonna experience joy. So, my encouragement to you today is to choose joy. Why? Because it's time. God has so much more for you to do. But you're stuck, you're stuck in your pain, you're stuck in your circumstances. And God is encouraging you to make a decision to choose joy. I'm going to ask for everybody to bow their heads, close their eyes, because some of us need to make a different type of decision. Some of you are here and you know that the decision you need to make is to come into a relationship with your Lord and Savior. You've been living, kind of doing your own thing and you haven't been living a life submitted to him. And some of you, you once were, you you gave your life to him. But as of late, you can honestly say that you haven't been living a life that's pleasing to him. So the decision that you all need to make today is to either come to Jesus or come back to him. Joy is a fruit of the spirit and the spirit comes to those who surrender their life to him. So I don't want to give you this whole message on joy and then you not be able to tap into it because you're not yet in the right relationship with him. So I'm just going to simply count to three. All you have to do when I count to three is to raise your hand. I'm not going to have you come down or do any cartwheels or backflips. You're just going to raise your hand so heaven can see it. And then you can put your hand back down. On the count of three, if that's you, if you need to give your life to Jesus or you need to come back home to him, When I count to three, just raise it up to heaven, wave, and you can put it right back down. One, two, three. Lift those hands. I see you. 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 You can put your hands down. The Bible declares that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. So that's what we're going to do right now. But the motto here at our church is that nobody prays alone. So we're all going to say this out loud, whether you raise your hand or not, we're just going to do this as a family because it's a big deal. So I'm going to ask you to repeat after me, Heavenly Father, I love you. I acknowledge you as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I believe that Jesus Christ is your only begotten son. And I believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a perfect life and surrendered his life on the cross for me. And I believe on the third day that he got out of that grave for me. I recognize that I am a sinner in need of a savior. And I ask, Lord Jesus, come into my life, take control of my life, and be the Lord over my life from this day forward forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we put our hands together for those that made the most important decision that they will ever, ever make? We're so grateful for you that you have decided to give your life to the Lord. It's the best decision that you could ever make, but it's only the first step. You have to now continue with him. You have to now continue to wake up every day and ask him, Lord, help me be like you, live for you today. And each and every day, you'll get to know him a little bit better as you continue to pray to him, read your word, continue to acknowledge him in everything that you do and you will find that with each passing day that he will begin to reveal himself more and more and more to you I want everybody to choose joy it's your inheritance as a believer don't leave it on the table pick it up, carry it with you even though life isn't perfect You got a perfect father who's walking with you. Choose joy. Let's pray our way out of here. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just honor you because you came and you spoke. You came, you brought correction. You came and you brought instruction. Father, we want to be more like you. We want to choose joy. So Father, help us to choose joy. Help us to make the decision that no matter what's going on around us, we will continue to focus on your spirit that is within us. Help us not to lean towards our own understanding, but to acknowledge you in all our ways. And Father, just comfort us as we go. We want what you want for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all go fist bump somebody. Elbow bump. Tell them. Choose joy. Choose joy. Choose joy. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.